Scene 9. Setting. En route to Pilate. Judas flees from Jesus. Matthew, chapter 27, verses 1 to 10. As Judas fled into the night, helter-skelter, my eyes looked upon him one last time. I could feel his heart wildly beating. Satan had left his body now. His nasty work was over. He had been invited into Judas, and once Judas had done his bidding, Satan tossed him by the side of the road, just as he has done, and will do to any pawn who says yes to his hideous schemes. Judas could once again feel the beat of his own heart, even if he didn't want to. His heart pounded in his chest. Surely his heart beat so fiercely it burst through his chest. He was breathing hysterically. His lungs were on fire. He felt his lungs would rupture with cries of guilt. Even if he tried to silence his lungs, they would scream, You are guilty! You are guilty! He felt his bowels would spill out onto the ground, gushing forth, seeping with stench and rotting with fear, the fear of guilt, fear of being found out. He felt his eyes had rolled back in his head, examining himself. He felt every other eye near him penetrating into his being. Surely all eyes saw his shame, looking deep within him, into the depths of his heart. But no one knows who I am. He tried to comfort himself, smooth his sweat-drenched, wrinkled garment. But the secret of the thirty pieces of silver, the secret of handing over his Messiah, his Saviour, his Lord, seemed to be spilling out of his psyche onto the barren road. Even though it was night-time, surely every eye could see his secret, too damning to be contained. Judas knew I had seen him, as I stumbled past him, being yanked harshly forward by the Roman guards. He had witnessed the crowds of people who were gathering to see the pandemonium as I was leaving the assembly in the high priest's palace. Even though he felt the eyes of the crowd on him, he was aware of my presence more than anyone else. Even though my back was turned to him now, he could feel the eternal eyes of my presence searing into his soul. I was still thinking of him. His secret had made him a slave. He was bound. He was gagged. He was ridiculed and mocked by his decision to betray his lord. Just as you are bound and gagged, silenced in the dark crevices of your soul, where you keep your secrets buried. Guilt, guilt, the secrets won't stay quiet. Guilt, guilt, the secrets refuse to stay hidden in their tomb any longer. The secrets are turning on you, exposing themselves to others through your eyes. The windows to your soul are open for all the world to see, but more disarming than the eyes of humanity peering into your soul are the flaming eyes of a holy and righteous God. I am the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, the one in the midst of seven gold menorahs, clothed with a robe down to my feet, with a gold band around my chest, hair as white as wool as white as snow, 
with eyes as a flame of fire. My feet, refined brass, as if they burned in a furnace, with my voice as the sound of many waters. In my right hand are seven stars, and out of my mouth goes a sharp two-edged sword, and my face shines as a sun in full strength. Revelation chapter 1, verse 8, verses 13 to 15. Like Judas, my sacrifice is your only hope for eternal salvation on the day when the deep secrets of your heart are unveiled in the presence of Adonai. The presence of God, which Moses felt as the burning bush, was too sacred and holy to be witnessed by pure mortals. Even the chosen deliverer, Moses, had to remove the sandals from his feet as he was standing on holy ground. A priest entering into the Holy of Holies in the temple would wear bells on the bottom of his robe attached to a robe, in case his heart or his sacrifice was not acceptable to God either of which would cause him to die instantly in the presence of God. If this was the case, he would be pulled out by the robe. No one else would dare to enter in. As long as the bells could be heard, those outside of the Holy of Holies knew that God had accepted the sacrifice of the priest and he was still alive. The day when bells ceased to ring, when you have come into the presence of Adonai, and you hear nothing but ominous silence, along with the beating of your own heart. And you realize that each person must stand before God alone. No one will be with you, not your sister, nor your mother, not your father, nor your brother, not your priest, nor your rabbi, not the persons in your synagogue or in your church, not your teacher, your president, the government, not even your husband or wife only you, exposed before a holy and righteous God. Judas felt exposed as he looked at me, bound and chained. He frantically grabbed at his tunic to see if he was still clothed, just as Adam and Eve grabbed for a fig leaf when the Lord God visited them in the garden after they had eaten the forbidden fruit. They felt naked in the garden, having felt shame for the first time when they knew they had sinned against God. In the same way, Judas knew now he had sinned against God. I have sinned. I have betrayed an innocent man to death. The words clamored inside his mind, just as each silver coin clamored in his girdle. Each coin now felt extremely weighty, as if each one had become a millstone attached to a cord wrapped around his neck. He remembered seeing me surrounded by little children who came to see me. Let the children come to me. I said to him, Anyone who causes one of these innocent ones to stumble, it is better for a millstone to be tied around his neck and cast into the sea. Matthew chapter 18 verse 6 A millstone can weigh up to 3,000 pounds. Now Judas felt he had 30 millstones tied to his neck. A vast ocean loomed before him, an endless abyss where evil ones who hurt the innocent are cast into forever and ever. I have betrayed innocent blood. Judas was certain every person near him could hear his harsh whisper rasping again in his throat. Judas's blood pumped hot. It pulsed through every vein and artery. 
Each cell of his blood now felt tainted with sin. He did not know that one drop of my blood, the blood of his Messiah, his Lord, could save his soul. One drop could make him whole again. One drop could sever the cords of his guilt, loose the heavy weights from around his neck, and cleanse his blood from sin. No, Judas was not aware of anything but his own blood, his own neck, the evidence of the coins clanking in his pouch, and the feeling of being utterly, absolutely alone. He was aware of only one, himself. He knew what he had done, just as you know what you have done. Remorse sets in. When you realize what you have said, or done something so horribly awful or selfish, you cannot take it back, and you have to deal with the consequences of your sin. Oh, but I have not committed a hideous crime, you may say. I have not betrayed my Saviour as Judas did. Truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Matthew chapter 25 verse 40 Each of your thoughts and actions will be taken into account when you die and stand before the judgment seat of God. A whisper of gossip here, a simple betrayal of trust there, a dishonest wage gained in secret. When I come in my glory and all the angels with me, I will separate people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, and I will put the sheep on my right and the goats on my left. Then I will say to those on my right, Come, you who are blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in, naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer me, Lord, when did we see you hungry, and feed you, or thirsty, and give you something to drink? And when did we see you a stranger, and invite you in, or naked, and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? I will answer and say to them, Truly I say to you, and to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. Then I will say to those on my left, Depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in, naked, and you did not clothe me, sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they themselves will also answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not take care of you? I will answer them, Truly, I say to you, to the extent that you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. These will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Matthew chapter 25 verses 31 to 45 Paraphrase 
But I have been a good person, you might interject. But what about the acts you have committed in your heart? He who says he is walking in the light, but hates his brother, is in darkness even now. He who hates his brother or sister is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has entered life abiding in him or her. 1 John chapter 3, verse 15 If you look on a woman or man to lust after her or him in your heart, you have committed adultery already. Matthew chapter 5 Verses 27 to 28. At the dead end street of your guilt, the realization of a crime committed with no one to reverse the act and no one to take it back, it is at this moment when the intentions of your heart are exposed, when you, like Judas, are drowning in the pool of your own perspiration of self degeneration, you seek only self preservation. It is at this time you must know you are a Saviour, a Saviour who does not preserve himself, but who gives his life freely to preserve you, a Saviour who sweats great drops of blood for you, who aches for you, cries for you, makes penance for you. I, Jesus, your Messiah, the spotless Lamb of God, will continue this path of salvation for you this day bound and chained as a criminal, so that you, as a criminal, bound by the crimes of your heart and locked in the chains of your past, when the sinking guilt in your deepest being shrieks out your harsh reality, O oh, wretched man or woman that I am, who can save me from this body of death? Romans chapter 7, verses 24 and 25. Call upon me, I can set you free. I have prayed for you. I will die for you today because I love you. I know you have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I was thinking of you as I am thinking of you now. All of you like sheep have gone astray. Each of person has turned to his way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of humanity to fall on me. I was oppressed and I was afflicted. Yet I did not open my mouth, like a lamb that is led to slaughter, and like a sheep that is silent before its shearers, so I did not open my mouth. Isaiah chapter 53, verses 6 and 7 I was taken away, and not one of my generation protested against my death. I was cut off from the land of the living for the crimes of the people who deserved their own punishment. I was buried with the wicked, although I had done no violence, nor did I speak any wicked or deceitful words. Yet it pleased Adonai to bruise me, to present me as a guilt offering. Therefore I poured out my soul unto death. I was numbered and counted as a criminal. I bore the sins of many. Isaiah chapter 53 verses 8 to 10 and Judas was seized with this remorse. He had a brief encounter with clarity. He reached for the thirty pieces of silver in his pouch. I will take them back. I will take them back to the head Kohanim. I must take them back. Perhaps I can undo what I have done. He scrambled madly. He bulldozed his way through the curious crowds as he frantically sought out the chief priests and elders. 
who had handed him the silver pieces less than twenty-four hours ago. He remembered their faces. When he found them, he cried out, I have sinned. I have betrayed innocent blood. The priests stared at Judas, stone-faced and cold, hiding safely in a group. Each one poked his head out of the gaggle for a split second to gaze upon the spectacle with curiosity, but then quickly ducked again, ashamedly bobbing their heads in front and then behind each other, much like a pack of rats squinting from a bright light. It is much easier to hide between the lines of opinions of others than it is to stand alone. Judas, on the other hand, had come to the stark realization of his aloneness and the responsibility of the decisions of his soul. This feeling of being alone was acutely pronounced as he pleaded his case before the assembly of holy men. I have sinned. I have betrayed innocent blood. Yes, they had heard what Judas said, but the sound travelled no further than the stone wall that surrounded their hearts. Finally, Without even bothering to discuss the matter, they agreed and shook their heads. What is that to us? they answered, collective, calculated, and cold. That is your problem. They preferred to retain a sense of erroneous virtue and let Judas carry the guilt alone. Judas, knowing his fateful defeat, was sealed in their blank wall of insolence, hurled the thirty pieces of silver into the temple sanctuary, and ran. The pieces of silver dropped near the robes of the priests. As each coin hit the ancient foundation of what was once a holy place, with a ghostly reverberation, it was as if each coin might cause the earth to quake at that very minute, hammering the stones of the temple down onto their heads. The priests froze for a moment as statues, much like the people of Pompeii will look in 70 AD when the lava from the volcanic eruption will turn them to stone in an instance. The priests did not budge an inch, as the coins bounced and rolled, bounced and rolled. One shiny silver coin rolled right up to the feet of the priests standing in the front. Ironically, it stood on its edge, spinning for what seemed to be an eternity. The priests glared at it, as they might glare at any one or anything that did not fall in line with their agenda. But the coin glared back as it whirled around, with a violent whirling that sent out a shrill drone, piercing the air with an even greater chill than the coldness of the very hearts within them. They felt the terror run up their spines of a greater damnation. When the coin stopped, it landed on heads. Although the face of the coin was of Caesar, it appeared to them as my face, just for an unearthly second. Of course they imagined this, they thought, as they began to nudge the coins to each other with their feet, hoping to pass the judgment along. What do we do with these coins? One stated as he pushed the coins away from him. We cannot put them back in the treasury, another mentioned with drops of sweat forming on his brow. Let us buy a field where we can bury strangers, another resolved. Yes, let's. They decided this in union, as if this decision would wipe the blood from their hands. Committees, groups, even governments often come to conclusions of such absurdity. Buying a field to bury strangers with blood money that betrayed their messiah.
Why didn't they just absolve Judas? Why didn't they stop the betrayal before it happened? Do two wrongs make a right? No, they just passed the coins from one to another, and finally to the field called Haseldama, which to this day is called Potter's Field, the field of blood. The field had been used to excavate clay for pots. After the clay was removed, such a site would be left unusable for agriculture, and thus might as well become a graveyard for those who could not be buried in an orthodox cemetery. Strangers, criminals, and the poor could be conveniently buried in a field already full of trenches and holes. Of course, what they did not know, but should have known since they had studied the scriptures their whole adult lives, is that their decision to buy the potter's field fulfilled the prophecy spoken by their own prophet, Jeremiah. Then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremiah, the prophet, saying, and they took the thirty pieces of silver, the price of him that was valued, whom they of the children of Israel did value, and gave them for the potter's field. Matthew chapter 27, verses 9 to 10. For in me dwells the fullness of the Godhead. I am the head of every ruler and authority. Colossians chapter 2, verse 10. Judas had not ultimately sold his Messiah. I had bought myself as a sacrifice and prophesied it many years earlier so that I could pay the ultimate price, my life, my death on the cross. When you, like Judas, cannot take back the crime you have committed, I have taken this crime on my back. By my wounds you are healed. By my blood you are forgiven. All you have to do is ask. Ask for forgiveness. No, you cannot take your action back, but I can remember it no more. I am your Messiah, a blood ransom for you, now and forever. Judas ran and kept running into the cage he had crafted himself. He could have asked forgiveness from me, but instead he fled to the potter's field and hung himself by his own hand. I was thinking of Judas, as I was thinking of you, as I am thinking of you now. Stop running. Turn around. Come to me. You can find forgiveness, for I am thinking of you.